Hey friends, Merry Christmas. It's day two of the 12 days of Christmas here at That Sounds Fun. My name is Annie F. Downs and I'm the host of this little Christmas party. We're doing 12 days in a row of That Sounds Fun podcast episodes. I hope you had as much fun with Santa and learned so much on day one as I did. If you missed it, be sure to go back and listen to that one when you have a chance. It was just as magical and hilarious and informative as you'd imagine. That Santa Claus, what a guy. Hey, the music in the background is from our friends, Rend Collective. I am loving their new Christmas album, A Jolly Irish Christmas Volume 2. Be sure to grab yourself a copy as a fun companion for the festive season. And I hope you'll take a look at our holiday gift guides over at AnnieFDowns.com. We've got some fun little ideas for you to help you find the perfect gift for everyone on your shopping list. And have you seen all the fun new merch we have at ShopAnnieFDowns.com? We've got our Work Hard, Pray Hard, Rest Hard, Play Hard hoodies, hats, and prints and those gorgeous earrings that we did in collaboration with our friends at Able and tons of other cute stuff. I hope you'll find something that you love. Before we get into today's conversation, I just want to take a moment and tell you about one of our incredible partners, If Gathering. You've heard me talk about If before, and you've loved both times. My friend Jenny Allen has been on the podcast. You'll remember she was on episode 44 and 201, if you want to go back and listen. But I'm so looking forward to being a part of If Gathering again in 2021, and we want you to be a part of it too. It's a two-day virtual event that you can stream right where you are. Some of our favorite Bible teachers will be teaching live, and no one has to tell you that this year has been hard. It's felt confusing and divided and dark at times, but you know and I know that there is still a reason to have hope because God is still on the move. If Gathering 2021 is March 5th and 6th, and we are going to talk about just that. The theme of those two days is going to be even if— Even if the worst happens, we don't lose hope. One weekend, thousands and thousands and thousands of you gathering together with one purpose to come before God and ask the question, how do you want us to live? Don't miss this, y'all. March 5th and 6th, join us online. Gather your people, tell everybody you know, and let's go imagine a world that is unified again and on mission for the glory of God. Digital passes are on sale today. December 8th at if2021.com. I can't wait to experience If Gathering Together. Again, that's if2021.com. And the digital passes are on sale right now. Go get you one. Our guest for today is the wonderful Tish Oxenrider. If you've been a longtime friend of That Sounds Fun, you know Tish from when she was here way back on episode 34. Her new book, Shadow and Light, A Journey into Advent, is just beautiful, as is her heart. Imagine the friend who greets you at the door of the party and welcomes you in. Okay, so for our Christmas party, that's Tish. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation with my friend, Tish Oxenreiter. Tish, thanks so much for making time to be on the show today. Thank you, Annie. I love chatting with you, so I'm glad to be here. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the 12 Days of Christmas. Why, thank you. This is fun. I mean, you have kind of a primo seat, because let me tell you, the only show in the 12 Days before you was Santa himself, so he was your opener. (laughs) Nice. Thanks, Santa. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a tough year for Santa. There's a lot to sort out about how to do Christmas in COVID. I feel for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You'll have to, it's a, it's quite a conversation. Okay. Let's just like, we haven't friend caught up in a long time and I adore you so much. Are you all right during COVID? Are you, I mean, y'all, y'all are like me. In fact, you and I were supposed to be in London together this summer. Indeed. Yeah. What, I mean, what's it been like? 
I mean, part of my answer is like copy and paste everybody else's answers. You know, how are we all doing? Right. I mean, seriously, we're, we're doing just fine. So when I think of all the things we can be thankful for, our family is totally, totally fine. We have a roof over our heads. No one is drastically ill. We have what we need. So we're great in that respect, right? Um, I think we know the cabin fever feeling well, the wish we could travel feeling well, the wish we could see people we love, like everybody. But you know, that's life, right? Um, I would say the interesting thing for me in particular is I parent teens now, and that's a whole different thing because teens have their own like ball of wax. You know, they want to go out and live their life and they can't. And that's right, a different thing. Right. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the loss of travel. Our friends from the AFD Week in Review, I mean, the questions they brought in mm-hmm. was like, how do we do this with COVID? So, for example, Julie loves your book, At Home in the World. I do, too. I absolutely—I mean, your writing is some of my very favorite. Aww. Like, you know how this is. We get our friends' books in the mail a lot. And I will skim them and go, I'm so proud of them for writing. And yours comes in, and I'm like, I'll see you on three days. Aww. I will be with Tisha's book. <laughs> so Julie is asking— How do we do day trips or adventuring in our own city and make it feel special? I actually need that too, Tish. I need you to talk to me about how I make, how I make up for the loss of travel in my life. Is there a way to do it? Well, I mean, yes and no is what I've come to learn because I feel the same thing. Like I I am so ready to get out of this town. Oh my gosh, you know, Um, and I want to see places and things, but we're we're like everybody. We want to do that. I have found that works for us is to do, like she said, day trips, little, you know, out of the immediate vicinity kind of trips. We, Kyle and I, my husband, we bookmark certain little towns we want to check out that have always been on our, like, one day we'll do that. You know, whenever you're, like, driving somewhere and you think, oh, this is a cute town, we should stop sometime. Um, Kind of bookmarking those and actually going to them. It's all about expectations. So you have to adjust your expectations. You cannot think this is going to be just like traveling in a normal life. So you have to dial it way down. No, most places (laughs) are going to be closed. Or if they're open, they're open in a weird way. And so if you just go in knowing this is going to be weird, then you're kind of more pleasantly surprised. I think for me also, you know, we live in um, right outside of Austin. So just like where you are, there's tons of like restaurants and and cool things to see. We have been just trying to go to places we have never tried before. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, there's something to be said about going to your favorites, but also like, what are those places you always say, oh, we should go there sometime. And then when you want to go out to eat, you forget and you go to the same three places. Actually make a note of those in your phone. Like I actually have a checklist in my phone and then we'll order out from those. I mean, we don't go in really sadly, but that's kind of what we do. So we still try to be sort of like local tourists by checking out places we have never been. I haven't thought about the other side of being a local tourist is supporting the lo- the tourism places in our city that are not getting tourists. That's right. And yep. so if I go to some of these restaurants I've never tried before, I'm actually helping keep the economy going in my own city. That's true. That's true. So like we have, you know, I live right off a of town square, a historic town square in a small town. Um, there's this guy that's a tour guide, he and his wife, and they're delightful people. This is like their second career. And it's all outdoors. And he just walks you around and just tells you, you know, that old building from 1862. Well, here's the backstory. You know, this couple owned it and they had sheep and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it sounds so hokey, but it's actually delightful because yeah. it's like, 
just the stuff you need to know about your town, but you never take the time to know. Uh, look into those kind of things too. Like the things that feel so ridiculous. You wonder why would anyone pay for that? Do those things because you're supporting your local economy that way too. My business manager, I saw him right before Halloween and I was like, what are y'all doing tomorrow? And or for Halloween, and he was like, we're taking the Franklin Ghost Store. And I was like, in the city you live in? <laughs> yeah, see? And he was like, we do it every year. It's like one of our favorite family traditions. And I was like, oh, I do not do enough local touring like that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We forget about those things because we're so used to them. Yep. Tell me about the London trip that we didn't get to go on. (laughs) It's so sad. What's hard for me is that I've become friends with these people that we visit, you know, the homeowners of the house. we How many times have y'all gone? This would be our third time. So we haven't gone very long yet, but you, you find your connections really quickly and you just kind of put people in your pocket and think, I want to work with you forever yeah, and ever. Yeah. And so I keep up with these people um, just because I like to. But, you know, like the little house we stay in is an old pub and so, or a former old pub. So it's connected to this like cafe coffee shop and it's run by this sweet couple that I follow on Instagram. And then our tour guide for the Jane Austen day, he's just this delightful man who wrote his own play and is performing it outside on the fields where Jane Austen used to live. I mean, it's just so hilarious. And so everyone's doing their thing and it's all just, great small town British hilarity, but I'm so sad to miss it. You know, I've been watching some digital stuff at Shakespeare's Globe too, because they're hurting a lot. Like they, they depend so much on the summer theater schedule and everything had to be canceled. And they're, they're always, I'm on their email list and I'm one of those annual, whatever you call them members. Um, And so they're always talking about like, oh, we're barely making ends meet. So um, you can buy things like digital performances to watch. I've been doing that too, but yeah. Why does it matter for readers like us? I mean, you and I love to read. I mean, I just have a stack of books on my bedside table at all times. I have a book in my purse at all times or on my Kindle now. Shauna Nequist talked me into like, Annie, have them on your phone. Stop having them with you. Why does it matter for us to read and to think about writers from the 1700s? Why, why is old literature still matter today? I love that question because I also, do you know that I also teach English now. I don't remember if I've told you this. I've seen it on Instagram. Yeah. Or on Twitter. You talk about on Twitter. Yeah. I talk about it everywhere, but I I teach high school English now. So this has become like my new uh, passion project off to the side. My short answer is because good stories make us better humans. And that's basically it. Because if you consider a story that is still being printed 300 years later, that should tell us something about the quality of the story. Even if it uses old language, even if it takes you a month to read a chapter because it's so over our heads or whatever, there's something to be said about the fact that it stood the test of time. And, you know, like, for example, we just finished Dante's Inferno um, because I figured what way to what better way to celebrate the holidays than a book about hell right? (laughs) Um, with my juniors and seniors. And (laughs) and. I just told them, you guys just finished this like medieval work of art that most people don't want to conquer because it seems so daunting. You guys just finished it. You're like 17 years old. Way to go. Yeah. And they all agreed with like, yeah, I don't ever want to read it again. Yeah. (laughs) It feels kind of good having read it. So um, it's just interesting. The human condition back in the 1300s is the exact same in 2020. And it's good to see that sometimes, you know. Yeah. I like remembering my brain can spin real deep into like eternity stuff. And my brain can't really handle that there's been generations of us. <laughs> right. But when you go back and you read and you go like, oh, how did Jane Austen know to write the same kind of problems between men and women in their time as she does for us? Yeah. 
I think we forget that. I think we elevate these people because they dress differently or maybe they use slightly different vocabulary. So we think of them as like otherworldly. And then when you start reading books like Jane Austen's and you see how human it is and how, I mean, you get that same way when you're reading the Bible, right? When you read and you're like, yeah, I could have said that. Um, it's the same. It's been the same since the dawn of time. And I think it's really good for us to feel that solidarity. Yes. I do. You, I mean, I just hope we get another chance to go maybe next summer or the next summer. I know. I know. I, we will. I just don't know when, but that's, I know we will at some point. This can't last forever. I think that's one of the things that is hard about the pandemic right now is they're just, we can do anything. I think humans are capable of resilience in any form. It is particularly helpful when we have an ending. Exactly. We can do anything until this date. Oh, I can do that. If I, if I know we're getting out January 30th of 2021, but we just don't have that. I know. I was, Kyle and I were just talking about this. Like, you know how in World War II, everybody had, they also kind of had this communal good stuff they had to do, like um, victory gardens yes. and rubber drives and all these things. I think about that a lot right now during uh, the pandemic, just wondering what that was like. And it's so easy for us to look back and say, like, they were so noble and had such great character because they were willing to do this. But we don't know about the day to day when, you know, Mary was just like, oh my gosh, I can't do this one more day. I cannot repair my dress another day. I just went you know, whatever it is that they had to do. Yeah. I think it's very normal to feel that, like, just wondering when things will end. I think that's just the human way. Yeah. I learned the most about Victory Gardens from Molly, the American girl, from her <laughs> books. Miracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the one who taught me. She had to sit at the table if she wouldn't finish eating her rutabagas or something like that. And her mom was like, you finish that because they're men at war. Your father's <laughs> at war. You finish that because we're built, we're growing a victory garden to share. And, yeah, Everything I, I know, it. I learned from the American Girl Dolls. That's so good. Okay, so if you have taken up teaching high school, tell me what you, I mean, are, you're still podcasting. Yep. You still have Simple Life? Art of Simple, um, it ends in a few weeks. Yes. So. That's what I wanted to talk about. I think it is so amazing and so honorable when someone knows when to walk away from a good thing. It isn't falling apart. People aren't disappearing. Your content isn't bad. But a couple of months ago, you said, hey, we've done everything we can do here. Right. And so we're going to go talk to me about how we should know when to stop something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big question. Because honestly, I think I can look back and say, like, I knew it was time a couple of years ago that it was starting to become time. So I, it wasn't an on off switch for me, the way it might have seemed on the internet. Or no, publicly, no, no, I know? don't think anyone would have assumed that. Yeah, right. So I'd been thinking about it for a while. But um, so I first got the idea of telling people way in advance that something was going to end from the blog design sponge because this is a huge blog that a year ago ended, but she told them in January that they were going to end that year. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting that she would bother doing that. Um, and then I just thought it was great. So we did that too. I think the main reason I, I knew it was time was simply because I have very limited energy. I'm a four wing five. And so at the end of the day, when I am completely tapped out, I can feel really frustrated whenever the thing that I truly care about, I don't have enough energy to do. And so I found myself 
you know, having to load on my plate the things I have to do, like keep the lights on on certain things. I had a whole team. I have a whole team of writers and, you know, an editorial calendar and the whole bit along with the podcast, along with teaching, along with parenting, all these things. And I just found this. And writing books. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. The thing that kept falling off my plate was writing books. And I found myself just not making headway. And um, there are some people who are fantastic about running a huge blog and multiple podcasts and a book a year. And, and that's just not me. Like I've just, and I'm totally okay with that. Like I guilt-free, I say that's not me. So for me, the biggest sign was simply like the thing I cared about most kept falling out of my plate or off my plate or wasn't even on the plate to begin with from day to day. So that was a little wake up call. And then kind of secondarily, what you were already saying is I felt like whenever it'd be time to work on the editorial calendar, um, you know, not to get into the weeds here, but I, I sit down with my managing editor and my assistant and my team quarterly. And we talk about, okay, what does the next three months look like? On, you know, what are we going to talk about? And we found ourselves for several meetings, like, I think we're just rehashing the same thing again and again, just with slightly different, you know, like, we'll still talk about it, but maybe, you know, related to Halloween or back to school or Easter. And but after a while, we're like, we're just saying it again and again, and we don't have much more to say. So to me, that was the sign of like, we've said everything and that's okay. It doesn't mean we don't care anymore. We just have said it all. And that's great. Hey friends, just taking a short break from this conversation with Tish to give a shout out to our amazing partners, Brooklinen. You know you can count on me to tell you the things we need to be practical about and the things we might need to be a little bougie about. Well, with Brooklinen, you don't have to choose between the two. Life is too short to sleep between anything less than nice sheets, you guys. But maybe you looked at some retailers and did the math on the years of interest you'd pay on just one set of really nice sheets and gave up. Trust me, go check out Brooklinen. Rich and Vicky started Brooklinen because they're like us and also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. Here's how it works. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury-level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, comforters, pillows, towels, and different colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. And they have over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting, including me. And listen, people don't just hand out five-star reviews. (laughs) Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their bedding comes with a lifetime warranty. Listen, I love my Brooklinen sheets. You guys know that. You've heard me say it before. Back when I did my How to Fold a Fitted Sheet video on YouTube, yep, those were my Brooklinen sheets in the starring role. Don't wait. Do something nice for yourself. Go to brooklinen.com. And use the promo code that sounds fun to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. That's B R O K L I N E N dot com and enter the promo code that sounds fun for 10% off your first order and free shipping. Brooklinen.com. Use the promo code that sounds fun at checkout. And now back to our conversation with Tish. So many of our friends listening want to write books like we get to want to have a podcast or they do have a podcast and they're trying to figure out, does my podcast need to look like Annie's or Tish's because they're different or does my podcast need to look like Popcast and have another person or, you know, like, or even with their families and how they're doing life and how they do laundry. How, how do we get okay with what's not me? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I, I think it's really okay to change. Yeah. Um, that's something I tell people a lot because I actually thrive on change. Like I, I know that I find myself not so much getting bored easily, but just um, getting excited about different things 
frequently and that's okay. And to fight that off means to just pigeon my, pigeonhole myself into a place that I ultimately am not going to be happy about in two, right, three years. So right. I totally embrace the fact that I like change, um, which is a little bit of what I'm doing on my own podcast, which I can get to in a bit. But what I've told people, this is the thing that's worked for me. I'm not saying it works for everybody, but this has been um, my go-to thing is I ended up creating a rule of life for myself, you know, like the Benedictine monk. Yes, thing. yes. I actually read the original Benedictine's uh, rule of life and then studied up on like how people do that well. I kind of wrote out my own process and then I just created my own and it helped me narrow down the things that are most um true about me and the things that matter most, because what it turns out, and this is the case for all of us, like 99% of what's out there is actually not that important. It just feels all important because of um, how we just have instant access to every idea on the planet. And so it feels all important. But when you can narrow down what's actually important, it it gives you permission to say no to the 99% that isn't. And so I have this simple written out rule of life. I look at it once a year on my birthday make little tweaks. So it's not a thing I'm constantly working on. And it's like a movable document. It's not the Bible. It's not like, you know, etched in stone. I change. So anyway, it's just, it gives me some direction. It gives me like, oh yeah, I care about this and not about that. So it is great for her to do that fill in the blank, but that's just not for me and that's okay. Will you tell us what book to read or will you write the book that tells us how to write our rule of life as women in 2020? I have an audio workshop on my on my website to do it. And it's a like a name your own price. So people could get it for a dollar if they Great. wanted. I'm doing it today. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's it it's not like you have to do it this way. It's just what's worked for me. So yeah. I have never written one. I know John Mark Comer, who I love as a pastor and an author. Yeah. And I know I know a lot of y'all are have really come around the rule of life idea. I've only read other people's. Can you just kind of define it real quick and so that we know if we're interested in making one for ourselves? Yes. So what I tell people is a rule of life is simply a commitment to live your life in a particular way. And that's it. So okay. it's very easy for us to think of it as something like really heady or like, you know, use fancy words or whatever. But really, all it is, is just a commitment. And but what makes it different than just like, you know, just deciding this is what's true of me is by writing it down, it's slowing you down to think about, it slows us down, essentially, to where we we figure it out, you know, figure out the things. But then we also, um, by writing it down, we can look at it. So like, I literally write it on the first page of my journal. Um, I tend to go through journals about like roughly quarterly, every quarter I'm writing it again and again, and I might make a change here and there, but I visually see it. So like if I'm flipping through my journal and I need to like, I don't know, decide, do I do option A or option B? I'll just quickly, I can look at it. And so it's, it's really, it's on one page. That's the other thing. It has to be short. Otherwise you'll forget it and right. get, you know, in the weeds and um, just too much information, but yeah. And it works for people who are married and people who aren't married. It works for anybody. I'm doing it with my high schoolers in the spring. Oh, so wow. It, okay. Yeah, yeah, it works for anybody. I would say probably high school and up because you at least need to be thinking about like the things that matter to you that's a little bit more future oriented than just the present. Um, but yeah, and I mean, it's for everybody. Okay, We're, and we'll be able to find that. We'll link to it in our show notes and make sure okay. everybody can yeah, find I'll, it themselves. I'll it to you. And so what, tell me about your podcast you're doing. So I've been doing my podcast, The Good yeah. List, for about a, a year now, almost a year. You know, so I ended, this is the other thing I am, ended last year. I ended my long running podcast called Simple. I'd been doing it since 2011, which is a long time. And uh, you, you know, were like the first of our <laughs> friends. I didn't start That Sounds Fun until 2014. 
Okay, there you go. Um, well, that's gone by fast, though. I know, me. right? My word. Okay. So I ended it for the same reason as the blog. I've just said all I need to say. And the good list was our, it was a series that we ran on the on the podcast frequently. And they were the most downloaded episodes. Everyone liked it. And what it is, it was just everyone sharing one um thing, habit, idea, and work of art that's making your life a little better. So we just rotate through those and it's been a lot of fun. But here's the thing that I have learned about uh, me in doing this. And, you know, our mutual friend, Emily P. Freeman, Kendra Adachi, they're great at doing solo shows. And I thought I would love it as an introvert, but it turns out I kind of like talking to people more than I thought I did. Oh, wow. Interesting. But I also struggled with kind of what you do with the interview show just because of the constant rotation of people. So long story short, I had been praying all this year about potentially having a co-host. Um, and so starting next year, we're going to change it up a little bit. And I have a new co-host by the name of Seth Haynes. So <gasps> get out of here. Seth and you are having a podcast together. Yes. So we're going to be podcasting together. Oh weekly, so. my yeah. gosh. I know. Is it still the good list? It's going to slightly change. It's going to be on the same feed, but it's going to, it's called a drink with a friend. Uh -huh. And so that's funny because he's sober. I know. And we talk about that. <laughs> so yeah, we talk about that frequently. It's funny. And he, he was all for it. He wanted that yeah. for that very reason. Yeah. Um, and the broad topic is sacramentality, like living life sacramentally. And so we, it's still very good listy where we talk about all the different things, but we talk about what does it look like whenever you have the posture of seeing God in all things. Yes. And that'll start in 21? Yeah, January 21. Okay. Will you just ping me again so that I can share it with all of our listeners and make yeah, sure yeah. everybody knows when it when it kicks off? But they can subscribe now to The Good List, and it'll be the same feed. They can. And Seth and I are doing an intro short series right now. So oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So there are already a couple episodes in the feed. Oh, good. Can, okay. It'll be a, so we'll a little bit that. differently, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow, what's the what's the hope of it being Seth? What's the hope of a podcast partner like Seth? Which our people already know you and they already know him and love him too. His episode is every so many people's favorite. So I think one thing that we both noticed, well, first of all, our families are good friends. Like Seth yeah. and Amber are good friends with me. You know, me and Kyle, we met in Italy. So we just have, you know, our kids are the same ages. So we just have a lot in common. Our faith journeys have been the same. What we found, honestly, was that we kept having these really great Voxer conversations. And ah. you realize we should just hit record on these and then just publish them for other people. Not to be weird, but not in a weird way. I think you know what I mean. Yes. Um, just because we think, I think other people would really feel solid. That's what me and my buddy Eddie did with Annie and Eddie Keep Talking. I mean, this is what we do anyway. Let's just put it on a microphone. Exactly. So it's that idea. It's basically um, just helping people feel less alone because he and I both, have felt a lot of in-betweenness and a lot of different worlds, um, online, off, you know, friends, as things, you know, just change and as we get older, all the things. So we talk about, honestly, everything. We talk about writing and good books and movies and working out and, you know, theology, but really accessibly. Not, yeah. It's not too heady, you know, so it's great. I hope it's a little heady. That is a gift y'all bring us. Yeah, it is a bit heady. Okay, it's, good. It's headier than, than, um, I can't think of Then Annie and Eddie, than. you could say it's headier than Annie and Eddie keep talking. I it would might hope be, so. But I like your show too. There's room for both types. That's totally. exactly well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's not me to be heady and to go, but I I drink theology from y'all, from you, from Seth, from John Mark, like like it is water. I just love it so much when my friends make it palatable, but don't make it easy. Mm -hmm. I think that's two really different things. Don't downplay how hard this concept is. Yeah. But tell me in seven minutes 
versus one minute, why it matters. Sure. And I love that, which is also why I love that you have written this Advent book that we can journey through together, Shadow and Light. For starters, it's gorgeous. Yeah, they did a great job. (laughs) My gosh, it's unbelievable. Um, Now, the downside is it's December 8th, so we're already (laughs) a week into Advent. Can we still start now? Have we missed too much? No, I mean, 100% you can still start. No, you haven't missed anything. And that's what I tell people whenever they feel this all or nothing feeling, you know, because Advent officially started November 29th, but it sneaks up on all of us 100% of the time. I, I wrote the freaking book and I was just thinking like, oh, you know, before it started, oh, shoot, I need to get, you know, these things. And it's like, oh my gosh, I've been telling people reminding them when it starts. And I almost, you know, forgot. So um, no shame, no guilt that you have missed it because you haven't. The main reason I say that is because Advent is a gift and not an obligation. Like there's nobody with it. Yeah, there's nobody with a checklist saying you have to do X, Y, and Z for Advent. Nothing at all. So for us, um, recognizing Advent is simply permission to um, slow down, really. I mean, that's the easy way to put it. But you know, historically, it's about putting scaffolding around our time because it's part of the the larger liturgical calendar, which has been around for centuries. But I think only some of us are starting to recognize it as a real thing. I mean, I didn't grow up knowing anything about it. You know, that wasn't the tradition I was in at but all. But I'm telling you, if I could have a crush on a non-human thing, it's the liturgical calendar. I, <laughs> I love it great. so much. I do too. So talk about the scaffolding because you and I both grew up Protestant. I grew up in a Methodist church and we talked about Lent and we lit the Advent candles, but exactly. But what's the scaffolding mean and why do we still need that for our faith in 2020? Well, if you think about it, we are rhythmic people all the time. You know, we have daily circadian rhythms. We lean into the seasons, you know, we have, I mean, we even have cultural seasons, you know, football seasons, school years, we we are just rhythmic people, we lean into calendars. And so why not if we already do that for our hobbies, for our academics, for our physical beings, for our food, you know, with the harvests and all that stuff? um, Why not our spiritual life, you know, and so to me, this is something the smart people from centuries ago, leaned into and recognized. And so the liturgical calendar is simply an annual way to recognize that time moves forward and yet we are made in time. We're not separate from time. We're not God. And so we depend on a lot of rhythms just to sustain ourselves. We have to sleep. We have to eat every couple hours. And so why, I mean, we need to be spiritually fed regularly. We need to, um, recognize certain parts about our relationship with Christ at different times, at different seasons, and in different ways. And so Advent helps me feel less overwhelmed. Because when you think about feeling like, well, what should I think about? What devotional should I read? What, you know, what is the point of Advent? To me, I feel like I'm joining brothers and sisters, not only globally now, but globally throughout history and saying, okay, so this is the season of expectation. This is the season of waiting. Um, This is the already not yet in between season of of remembering what it was like to wait for the birth of Christ, but also remembering that we're still waiting on all things to be made new. So we're waiting on both those things, you know, or we remember both those waitings, I should say. And so by sitting here parking on that, we kind of sit in the discomfort of that, especially during the holidays, because it's so tempting for us to just kind of want to put a pretty bow on everything and, and just eat cookies and watch fun movies. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally great. But I think there's also something right and real and good about remembering how things are not how they should be 
during this season, because that's the whole point of why Jesus came to begin with. Yes. That's such a good reminder for us that Advent isn't just about the first time Jesus came, that there is a part of our belief system as Christians is that he comes again. Yes. Yes. And, he, and, and this is in that waiting. And I think especially thinking back to what we talked about at the beginning, especially in this pandemic year when we don't know where an end is. That's right. Such a good reminder that you and I know that between the Old Testament and the New Testament was 400 years, but they didn't know how long it would be. That's right. It's so true. And I mean, truly, I 2020 is like the perfect year if you've never participated or recognized Advent in your home to start or just to try it a little bit because, I mean, we're all uncomfortable and we're all home. <laughs> and, and so we all need to find a little bit of that light wherever we are, even when things are imperfect. And remember that we're, that this isn't all there is, that yes. we do have hope. Now, I told people on my Insta story the week before Thanksgiving to get your book so it would be there for them so we could start together. Yeah. But if they're just getting it today or if they get it this week, what's, do they need to go back to the start? Because it is daily or do they just jump? It, to me, I wonder if they would read the part one, the invitation, and then jump in with today. How would you suggest someone to do it? If you've never done Advent before, you might want to read the first few pages just to give you a 101 primer, but you don't even have to do that. But one of the reasons I created the book I created was because I couldn't find the thing I wanted for my family, which is an open and go book. Because wow. most of the time during the holiday season, we all are pretty busy. And so, you know, we might have some kind of office party one night and then some other event a few nights later. And, and so our um, routines are a little bit unpredictable. And so if you plan to read this book, especially if you have little kids where the story builds on itself or like you have to read in order, you know, like by day 11, you're kind of discouraged because you're only on day five and you think, okay, <laughs> I'm going to read for two hours now. Right, right. So the, the whole structure of this is if it's day 17 and you're just now starting, just flip to day 17. Next year, I mean, Advent comes around again. Next year, you can start at day one and it's totally fine. So yeah, just open where you are. So you kind of picture this as well. I can do it in my quiet time in the morning. I can do it the last thing before I go to bed. A family with a lot of kids can pile around the dinner table and read this in two minutes, five minutes or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's available to fam. I mean, because the questions are deep, but simple. Yeah. There's nothing too, you know, overly profound that you would have to like skip over or anything at the same time. Sometimes, you know, if you have little kids, you can just do that part on your own. Yeah. You know, you can journal on your own and just do the other parts with the kids or however you want. I mean, my kids are at an age now where we can talk about those things, but it's still going to be in a, you know, a kid sort of way. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that I love about what you've done is you gave us a question every day. You gave us a song to listen to every day and a reflection every day of an piece of art? Is it a, are they all paintings? They're all paintings or just some form of art. Um, but it's all just digitally, you know, images that you can click on for free. So I've got everything curated on the books, uh, website. So oh, all brilliant. you have to do is go there. And so there's a Spotify playlist. So you just, you know, click play on the next song and then everything is linked. So you just scroll to like week three, day two, and click on that piece of art and look at it. So, yeah. And that is, uh, shadow and light advent.com. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, I accidentally flipped to a painting that I have hanging in my house. Oh, serious. Oh, uh, the Annunciation. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, will you talk about that? That I mean, it it makes me tear up and it's in my 
prayer room every day of my life. Oh, that's that's amazing. Um, well, there's a lot of art in this that makes me tear up. Are you talking about the one that's the the girl? Yes, the Bobby. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, the thing I really like about this one in particular is that you know sometimes when we look at nativity scenes, we like kind of like what we do with um what I was saying about, you know, the other people in other time periods, we we picture them as sort of out of the earth because they look so different from us. You know, so Mary's wearing these like robes and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, just biblical stuff, biblical times stuff. But this painting is a picture of a girl in a blue dress holding a book, wearing little bobby socks or bobby shoes like from the 50s. And she's in the suburbs and she's standing at her doorstep and an angel is next to her. And you you can tell that this is her first like glimpse of this angel because she's looking up from her book. Yeah. And if you know the story, you know, it's about to happen, but she, I mean, she's, she's a kid. Really, yeah. or I'm looking at a, it right now on my phone. Yeah. Teenager. I, I just adore it. And there's so much good art out there by people who've really thought through these things. Um, just helped us like reflect and go a little deeper, you know, than the, just the, the surface story that we know pretty well. Yes. And just reminding ourselves that Mary was not an adult with a lot of adult ideas. Right. She was <laughs> a little girl that we would, that like can't drive, we, we wouldn't let her drive a car. Yeah, it's amazing. And That's she's fun. trusted with such an insanely large responsibility. And she said yes. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Ancestry. Even if you can't all be under the same roof this holiday, the cool way you can still bring your family together is with the gift of family history at Ancestry. Give your loved ones an Ancestry gift membership to let them discover the fascinating people in their past or surprise them with Ancestry DNA so they can uncover their origins. The holiday sale at Ancestry is the perfect time to treat someone you love to a gift that connects them to family history in new, meaningful ways. Find amazing prices on gifts that will let your family explore their past and share fascinating stories and discover the places around the world their ancestors called home. I love knowing where my family comes from, and our family sits around and talks about this a lot. We love talking about genealogy. It makes us feel so rooted and grounded in a really special way. The holidays are the perfect time to connect with family, and Ancestry's holiday sale is the perfect time to treat someone you love to a gift they'll never forget. An Ancestry DNA test can tell you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of families' trees let you discover their unique stories. Don't miss special holiday pricing on truly meaningful gifts during the holiday sale at Ancestry. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash TSF, like that sounds fun, to get your Ancestry health kit today. That's Ancestry.com slash TSF. And now back to our conversation about Advent with Tish. Why does art matter when we think about Advent? I don't know that I've spent a lot of time with Advent art. Why is that a part of it? Well, I think the holidays in general are very sensory for us. When we think about the things we love the most about the holiday season, we tend to remember maybe not so much specifics, but sort of how we felt or how things move us in a particular way. Yeah. So, you know, I have these particular, you know, I have visual art here, but I would call music art as well. And even things like, you know, the movies we love, that's all forms of art as well. I think um, 
especially when we're at home so much and we aren't going to have the sensory input that we get to have usually by some of our traditions, like going to a certain concert every year or whatever. If we need to bring that art into our lives, then we're participating in a multi-sensory approach to the holidays that I think the global church does really well that sometimes we forget in our Western culture, that we're not just brains, you know, that we are people with eyes, we we taste things, we smell things, we hear things, and that's how God made us. And um, to lean into that, because it's, now I tell this too, for parents who feel this whole like, um, pressure to do lots of stuff for the holidays that if you think back to the, your favorite Christmas memories, most of the time they aren't like specific to what gift did you get on your 12th Christmas or something, or what was your favorite? It's things that we think are important that aren't, it's how our homes felt. Yes. You know, it's like the smells, the favorite baked treats, the movie you watched every year, the dumb thing your dad says every time, you know, all that stuff. Those are the things that matter. And so incorporating art gives us some of that stuff that helps us make memories for the future. My, I mean, one of my lifetime strongest Christmas memories is my dad dancing to Feliz Navidad. <laughs> right? right? Like, exactly. I don't, I can't tell you how old I was that year. I can't, I certainly can't tell you what I got for Christmas, but yes. I can see that scene like with the most clarity. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's how we all are. That's how we're made. Mm. Yeah. Is Shadow and Light, are you starting a liturgical calendar series for us? <laughs> well, um, I'm talking to my publisher in the new year. She's, I've been asked to do a Lent one and an ordinary time one. So if people want it, I'm open to it. How much for me, how much would it cost for you to do if I just want it? He's <laughs> calling your publisher and be like, I mean, Annie wants it. That's so good. I need to tell you how I feel about ordinary time. Do not like it. Really? It's, oh my gosh, 32 weeks in a row of nothing. <laughs> like it's just so, I, I have just learned to really like, I love Christmas. I mean, I love mm -hmm. Advent. I love yeah. Christmas Tide, the 12 days. I love Epiphany. Had a massive experience with God over Epiphany a few years ago cool. that's in Remember God. And then there's like a little hit of ordinary time. And then Lent. And then 50 days of Easter. Nobody even knows. Yep. There's yep. 50 days of Easter. There's 50 so days. if That's you'll great. do Lent and Ordinary Time, I'll meet you in the middle and I'll fill in Easter. I'll do something. I'll write something for Easter time. I love it. I'm there. Yeah. I don't know what my, I don't know what I want to do, but um, if if it's as something as accessible as this, then I'm fine with that. You know, yeah. I don't want to write this big, deep theological treatise because I don't know. I mean, those, those have been done by really smart people, but I think a lot of us crave some open and go stuff during that time. Yes, I think so too. I think some family-centric or short amount of time-centric things. Right. Exactly. You're, while you eat your avocado toast, while you're having your breakfast, here's a quick thing you can read. Yeah. Normal person. Mm -hmm. Normal person stuff. Yes. For our friends listening that are like newer to all this, newer to faith, and they haven't ever celebrated anything besides Christmas, you know, or Easter, you know, bringing in these seasons around holidays, what does that do to that holiday? What does that actually do to your experience of that day? For me, it slows it down enough to where I actually ultimately enjoy it more without that feeling of um, kind of despair when it's over, because yeah. I'm, I remember that it's coming around again. So, you know, Part of what we do for Advent in our family is we delay a little bit of the Christmas stuff on purpose. Not We're not purists. We'll still play Christmas music here and there, and we'll still watch movies. But we do things, for example, like decorate our tree kind of slowly. Like we'll put up the tree, and then maybe the next week we put on the lights. And then a few days later, we start 
adding ornaments. And oh, then we that's add cool. More. Yeah. And just, just to visually remind us like the arrival of Advent that yeah. we're on our way and that we're preparing for something kind of like companies coming over sort of thing. And so that means whenever December 25th hits, it just now is starting to feel like Christmas, like full on Christmas. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. So, and with Christmas being 12 days, we leave it all up till January 6th. And I used to feel that thing that a lot of people feel that like by just December 28th or so, like get it all down. I want a clean slate, but I purposely leave everything up um, through epiphany and maybe even a little longer. I might do it this year just to, to, just you to know, enjoy it for a little longer. Yeah, yeah. Why not? So for me, it just stretches it out more. And so I celebrate Advent because I like Christmas so much. It's, I don't know, allowing me to do it for like almost a couple of months, really. This is a technical question. A Ann Voskamp's sons made a Advent ring a few years oh, yeah. ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to have candles in it. Yeah. Do you have a thing like that in your house? Do you have like a visual for Advent in your house? Yeah, so we have that thing too. Kyle every year gets a piece of wood from our backyard, <laughs> like either yeah. either firewood or like a tree trunk. I mean, not a tree trunk, um, a branch. And just because we like free yeah. and we like simple and we like outdoorsy. Um, and he just kind of cleans it off and then just drills five holes that fit a taper candle. So fi- a one-inch drill bit and just drills five of them. We just make sure it kind of can balance, you know. Um, and then we do these, um, super hokey, but I love them. Um, beeswax candles. They come in strips like sheets that you then roll up yourselves. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made those in like like elementary school or exactly some, you know summer camp or something. And it's so funny. Like Tate is almost sixteen and still I gets all excited. She's and, almost sixteen. Oh, I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> He's almost sixteen. You know, she and her brothers will still like fight over which color to do, and they they love it. I mean, it is a two minute craft project. It's not a craft project. It's like a thing. But that's what we do every year, and it's so fun because it's just very tactile. You know. Yeah. Uh, so many people will be staying home and have not their normal Christmas traditions this year. How do we start new ones? How do we come around the idea of, okay, well, if we can't be with everybody, here's what we can do. I personally feel this, that I need to let go of the idea of like, okay, everyone on the count of three, we're going to start a new tradition because it doesn't work whenever we try too hard for me anyway. Yeah. When you call it that, your 16 year old's like, nah, not interested. (laughs) We're all going to love this board game marathon that we're about to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and so for me, I have to let them just find themselves. But that does mean be willing to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And I mean, especially this year. So I'm, like I've said, an introvert with limited energy. So it's not like I'm going to want to be the cruise director of my family every single day during the holidays. I just can't, you know, right. But if we choose to do just like one little thing a day that recognizes the holidayness of the time we're in, then I find that what the kids end up talking about the most is what ends up sticking, like those beeswax candles. I just did those, I don't know, five years ago, just on a lark. Like a friend mentioned them and was like, okay, sounds good. And now we do them every year, not on purpose. It was just a thing. So I just find you, they find you almost, these traditions, you know? That's good. They show up and stick. And so then, Tish, I think about our single friends who may not end up with their families this year for a holiday. You know, what's it look like for me in my house to do something new. And I mean, I guess I can't really talk myself into tricking myself into not making traditions. Like, this is casual, right, Annie? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That's so good. Well, you know, 
Okay. So I, things change day to day and geographically right now in COVID tide. So it's hard to know. COVID tide. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's hard to know what to say. It's the new part of the liturgical calendar. Exactly. It's, a, <laughs> it's like definitely do this because, you know, what if in your particular neck of the woods you can't. But, you know, even for me as an introvert with people in my home, I still need friend time badly. And so I have I've made do with outside time. Okay, so um, I know you and I live in the South, and so it's easy for us to just say, just sit outside around a campfire and right. be fine. And then people in Chicago are like, yeah. Yeah, mm. no. <laughs> um, but I was reading this thing, and there's this Norwegian word. I cannot remember it, but there's a Norwegian word that we don't have an English equivalent for that means, yeah, it's freaking cold, but be outside anyway because it's good for your mental health. <laughs> like that's oh, what the wow. word means, basically. Yeah. And so um, psychologists was basically recommending that that's what we have to embrace this year. And so part of me feels like there is something literal about that. Be outside, even if it's freezing, but kind of symbolically too, that like this kind of like when a dad says it builds character, do it anyway. Yeah. Um, that that's what we have to do about all these like ideas. You know, everything's a partial solution right now. Nothing is what we ideally want. So what's the partial solution to the thing? If you love having people over in your house and you live alone, what can you do instead? You can have people outside and bundle the heck up and have five different fire pits going around and you just make do. And hopefully if we all do this, then next year we get to be back to our fun selves, you know? So just find the good and even the hard stuff is what I think. Yeah. Our mutual friend, Joe Saxton said to me one time, there's never bad weather, just bad clothing. Yes. That's, <laughs> I have heard that before. You know what? I think Kyle has told me that back when I, we lived in Oregon and I was freezing all the time and he would say like, put a hat on. Do you know the, the dad in Calvin and Hobbes? Uh-huh. Yeah. Kids? Yeah. He is just like that dad to our kids because anytime someone's <laughs> cold, he'll just say, put a hat on. Um, and it's that same idea. I mean, we're grownups and we still have to tell ourselves, put a hat on. Yeah. Like, symbolically, whatever that looks like. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Uh, okay. Tell me what you're reading right now. Are you reading anything we need to pick up over the holidays? Um, so I'm reading a just for fun novel called The Midnight Library. So uh -huh. Matt Haig, I don't know if you know, he's a British novelist. I, I know love, his name. I don't know him. Okay. I follow him on Twitter. And I don't know, a few years ago, I read his book called How to Stop Time. And I love this genre of books. It's the genre that is mostly contemporary, realistic fiction, except there's just a little bit in it that you need to suspend belief on. Like it's okay. a little bit speculative. So it's not full on sci-fi, but right. it's a little bit weird. Oh, so The okay. Midnight Library is what I'm reading right now. And it's about a girl who dies, but then... Before she fully dies, she's in a library where she gets to read about every single life she could have lived but didn't if she made one little choice differently. And oh my yeah. gosh, because she, she dies with all these regrets, like she wanted to do have all these adventures and then ended up like staying in her hometown her whole life. And and so this is her way. So to me, it's kind of it's a wonderful life ish, you know, this. Yeah, life, yeah, yeah. You end up seeing, oh, my life is pretty great after all. That's what I hear. The ending is it's supposed to be really heartwarming at the end, even though that sounds really morbid. Yeah, I love it. It's so good so far. So that's the fiction book I'm reading right now. That's just delightful. Um, I am reading the book woman of Troublesome Creek. Have you read this yet? Oh, no. Uh, Ann Bogle has recommended it to me. She recommended it to me too. That's why I read it. Really? Is after sure I was that. on okay. her podcast, she that was one of the ones she recommended, and I forgot to get it. I read the other two. I forgot to get it. And then our book club just read Once Upon a River. Okay. And remember. when I was buying it, it said, You may also like it. I was like, uh, that's what Ann Bogle said too. <laughs> and so our book club it. picked Book Woman of Troubles and Creek next because it was Very my turn cool. to suggest. And so I think to me, winter, the, these next 
Advent leading into January, February, if I can get my hobbies going that work inside, like cooking or reading or cross-stitching or doing things that are that are hobbies that don't make me any money and don't take me anywhere, but right. are good for my soul. This is the time of year to get those going again. That's right. That's right. And I don't. I know everybody has a different sense of time, but for me personally, even though 2020 has not been my favorite, it's also in some ways gone by fast. It has gone parts. by fast. Like, I'll give you that. Yeah. To me, it feels like it was just Easter and here we are at Christmas. So that gives me a little hope that perhaps in a few months, it's going to feel like spring again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm just trying to find the silver lining here. I know it's yeah. hard for all of us, but. You're right. And I think, I mean, in a few years, I think this will end soon-ish. In a few years, we'll look back and go like, my gosh, do you remember what it was like while we waited for that vaccine? Or do you remember what it was like while we were all trying to, and we will, we will have a normal that is different, but is not this. That's right. That's right. That's so, what I think all the time. Yep. Yeah. Um, man, thank you for writing this. I look forward to jumping into it for all, continue through it in Advent. You know, I have one final question, but is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover? Um, I'm writing fiction now. <gasps> me too. What are you writing? You are. Well, it's a book that is taking me forever because yeah. it's so much harder, I think, to write fiction than nonfiction. It's so um, hard. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. I took a class from a fiction, from a novelist, um, just on story structure. It was so good for me because it just gave me like, tell me what to say next, you know, kind of thing. And so ever since I took that class, I've, I've felt the, um, it's, it's given me some traction is what I should say. So, um, working on fiction and it's sort of in that speculative genre that Matt Haig writes in. So it's about a girl. Does it have a release date? No, no, gosh, I'm not even, yeah, no, 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 not yet. Does yours? Uh, 23. That's great, though. So we've got some time. <laughs> but I work on, I mean, I have a, my publisher hired a coach for me. So she's coaching me all the way through. I might need to talk to you about this. Yes, we can talk about this. So, okay, so you're working on fiction. <laughs> yes. So working on fiction, Um, honestly, not much else because everything is a giant question mark in the future. Like, I want to say we're going to Literary London next year, but who knows? You know, um, so yeah, that's honestly the bulk of what I'm doing: teaching English, raising my people, and writing books and reading books. Yes, that's right. I love it. Well, that may injure your next question. Sorry, you may have just accidentally answered it because the show is called "That Sounds Fun." Right? Tell me what y'all are doing for fun as well. Yeah, no, that's a great question, and I love it. Okay, so um, this sounds kind of maybe shallow, but there's a TV series that we really like as a family. Okay. So I'm in that, the messy middle of parenting. You know, I've got 10 to 16 year olds and not 10, 16 year olds, 10, (laughs) age 10 to 16, um, three kids only. Um, and that's an age where it's hard to find stuff. We all mutually want to watch. Now, thankfully we're out of the little kid stage where we can actually watch things that we want to watch, but it's still hard to find something that the 10 year old can watch that the 16 year old would also enjoy. So we found the show called Alex Ryder. It came out oh, yeah. not too long ago. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, it is a short series. So it's one of those, I don't even know what you call them these days. It's like TV shows, but with an end, yeah. like a miniseries, yeah. you know? Alex Ryder is a short series um, that is about a kid, a teen kid who is asked to be a spy for this particular little quest that, uh, you, this is the British, the the British, what are they called? Um Whoever James Bond works with. So not the CIA or the British The people. British CIA. 
Yeah, whatever they're called. And it's fun and it's definitely intense. And there's some scenes that are just like, oh, you know, a little bit of violence. But at my kid's age, is totally fine. And I just mentioned that because we we just wrapped it up and it was fun to watch something that we all liked. Because yeah. that's rare. Yeah. Um, we all enjoyed it. And so, um, I don't know. That was the first thing that comes to mind. That's a it's great not- answer. Are y'all watching British Baking Show? We are. So we watch Great British Baking Show. I actually got BritBox, the streaming service. Yeah. Because we just like British stuff a lot. Like yes. we watch Father Brown and and Tate loves British gardening shows. Like she's such an Anglophile. I and love she'll just that. watch these these things. So um yeah, all the stuff is on there too and we love it. I have watched a couple of seasons of Great British Baking Show, but I've never watched it like this where it's actually happening. But I had to sign copies of my new book. You know, you know how they do that with Barnes and Noble where they're signed copies. So it was three thousand pages, and so I said to the office, "If y'all sit with the table with me, we'll play Great British Bake Off, and I'll sign." And we loved it. Yeah, that's we a perfect it. thing to to binge while doing something like that. Our all our whole family likes it, which is weird. And British Box is worth it for you. Yeah, because it's only it, it sounds really it's fun. It's like six bucks a month or something like that. I forget. It's che- it's on the cheap side for a streaming service. And I'm not trying to be political, but I would love BBC News. Seriously, that's. Legit. It, it feels nice to watch something besides just our little, you know, tunnel visions, little hole yes, of, yes. of stuff. So it was yeah, one of my it. concerns because Central America was being destroyed by hurricanes and none of our news were talking about it. No, we knew nothing except, <laughs> yeah, three feet in front of us. That's yeah. right. So, That's what um, well, friend, thanks for doing this today. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. It was so fun. Love catching up. I can't wait for people to get this. Thanks. And, um, Thank you for teaching us how to celebrate with the liturgical calendar. Thank you, Annie. It's been fun. Friends, don't you love her? My gracious. Make sure you follow Tish if you don't already and tell her thanks for being on the show today. And it is not too late to jump into Advent, friends. Go ahead, head to our website, order the book, start going. You can read along with us every day. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at this Christmas party. All the places you may need me, that is how you can find me. And I'm Annie F. Downs, TSF, like that sounds fun, on YouTube. All right, friends, that's it for me today. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you back here tomorrow as the party continues for day three of the 12 Days of Christmas with Chip Dodd. Y'all are going to love that one. See you tomorrow.